Podcast. I'm Richard Davidson, and I am joined by my good buddy, Ethan Huffman. Now, Ethan, you and I are not verified on Twitter, but we are about to give some verified takes today, uh, and I just want to know if you're ready. Yeah, no, I'm certainly ready for that. I actually don't know if you've seen this. I am currently submitting the $8 get the Hero Ball podcast uh, Twitter account that is very inactive um, yes, to it seems become unwise. verified. I think that'd be funny. That's a good bit. I mean, it's a good bit if any if we were to have ever, you know, posted anything on that account, you know, at any time in the recent near future um, or, or past. I mean, it's we, it probably means we got to start posting some things there, huh? Maybe I do. I do think the last thing we did is like I was like I was like you know what I'm 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 doing a little gambling now that's legal in Oregon. I think I'll start posting some picks, and then it just went poorly twice in a row. And I was like, now I'm embarrassed. I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> yeah, can't can't be uh, sullying uh, Alkins and and my name with with your poor betting uh, those two times. So, <laughs> um, well today. We are here uh, to talk about things that are also going poorly uh, for some NBA teams. Uh, we're going to talk about six teams today where, well, things haven't gone quite as planned. And usually when this happens, it's because, well, you know, some teams, they're not winning games like, like they should. But that's not the case for our first team, Elkin, uh, Ethan. Ooh, Elkin's not here today. Ethan. Uh, the Jazz. They're winning too many games. The Utah Jazz, and uh, gotta say, um, uh, some interesting things have been going on with this team. The team that we assumed would be tanking from the, from the start, trade away Boyan, um, yeah, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich to my Detroit Pistons for just a measly Kaliolinik back, really, and they're ten and four, leading the Western Conference, tied for the most games won in the NBA. Ethan. What's going on there? Man, it's really flummoxing. Like, they, they have a bunch of guys. Like they, I, These guys just remind me of, like, what the, some of those old-school Magic teams where you're just like, oh, they have a lot of NBA players. I don't really know why they're not any better, but this team actually is better. So is it uh, Will Hardy? Is it Danny Ainge's Magic, Magic Crystal Dust? I don't know. But more or less, this team has um, good players at every position, and they have a second player that's pretty good at that position. You know, no, there's no super duper star on here. There's just a bunch of guys who have been, some of them have been in the league for several years, have learned into their roles and developed a specific thing that they're good at. And the team just kind of fits. And then, you know, some development from guys like Laurie Markinen and, you know, Colin Sexton, Jordan Clarkson staying like the way he's been the last few years. Like all these, all these things are just leading to like, you know, marginal growth for everyone. And honestly, they're too good. They need to be worse. It, I, I feel like it's too late, honestly. Like, th there's going to be some team that's only going to win 20 games, whether it's the Pistons, whether it's the Rockets, you know, whoever, whether it's the Lakers. Uh, we'll get to them shortly. But you, you want half of that amount of games in, like, the first month. It's a problem. That is a problem if you're the Utah Jazz. And like you mentioned, Laurie Markkinen, like, he has to be the runaway favorite right now for most improved player. Like, the jump he's had, the jump he's taken, um, while maintaining uh, or getting better uh, at um, on higher volume. I mean, you, you can look at his, and maybe it's unsustainable, but man, 
His two-point percentage is just out of this world right now. Uh, he's shooting, uh, well, 65% from two. 65%. And you're right. Who knows if this is a little bit of Will Hardy? Who knows if it's just the matter of, hey, you'd take, uh, you know, going through 10. Like, their 10th best player is better than anyone else's 10th best player um, on 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 the roster. Uh, I mean, it's... It's a situation where I wonder if some things start to catch up to them. And, you know, right now they're kind of a feel-good story, uh, unless you're a Jazz fan who really wanted Wemby, and you're, like, you know, in panic mode, like this, like we're talking about here today. But you wonder, it's like, have teams approached them just saying, yep, they're the Jazz, they're not going to be very good, and maybe they haven't, you know, scouted them in the way that they need to. They haven't, you know, they've been kind of judging them based off of, oh, these guys are all third or fourth or fifth best players in the rotation and haven't really taken the time to to do a proper scout. And I wonder if, you know, a little bit later on, if the uh, if that comes back to bite them and, and it becomes a little, a little tougher when teams figure out what they want to do and try to begin to take more and more of that away as they get a bigger sample. Um, they are, I don't know if you mentioned this, they're second in offense, 13th in defense. Uh, and I'll just say, the offensive numbers, like, they got a lot of good offensive players. You're outside of uh, Walker Kessler um, coming in at the five. Like, they can basically play five out whenever they want to. And Jared having Vanderbilt Kelly Olenek, is not part of that. Well, <laughs> here's the thing. They still play five out with That's it. That's true. And 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 they they use they use him as a screener and 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 a cutter getting to the corner like he'll go and set set a screen be in the corner um, and depending on how they set it up if you're you know generally speaking you got principals saying hey don't help off the strong side corner well if you stash him there and you're not helping off you're not helping off of him you know maybe that's part of the scouting thing your defensive principals say don't help off the strong side corner and then over time it's like well we can help off of him. And and perhaps teams become more willing to break that. I just wonder, and a little bit worry for this team of of are you setting yourself up to be kind of just middling by the end, and you know it, you have all these picks. Maybe you can go get a star, but what star wants to come there? It it it's the same problem that a lot of these other small market, you know, not super attractive market teams have. For the moment, they've been a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, and I I do want to like credit Jared Vanderbilt real quick. Like he is shooting fifty percent from three on one basically one attempt a game, so he is um, making a couple. That's not that's not something that people are writing home about. But like I just do want to give him credit. The thing about Jared Vanderbilt, even when you do, if you leave him like all the way alone in the corner, he's not a guy who is scared to put the ball on the floor. He will you use that space get into the heart of the defense, he might require you to bring help. And all of a sudden he's kicking out to another shooter. Like Jared Vanderbilt was just such an active player offensively and defensively that when he randomly is left in the corner, he's very rarely clearly based on the uh, three point attempt rate. He's very clearly not just firing because they left him open. He's stepping into the defense and moving the ball and keeping the offense rolling. 
I, I do agree with you though, Richard, like the, the hole in this team is dead. Like the offense could be solid all year long. I would guess maybe some percentage points dipping here or there. I would figure Larry Markin is going to be a little less efficient from two, a little more efficient from three. I was just looking at his, his st- statistics. This guy's an 85% foul shooter for his career. And he's like never really eclipsed more than like, I think he's a 36% three point shooter. So I would think one of these days he's going to have himself a really good shooting season and I wouldn't be shocked if this year is one of the years now that he's getting a consistent dose of volume. But anyway, like you said about the defense, there's going to be a moment in time where teams figure it out and like know exactly where to attack. Like when you're talking about Kelly Olenek being on the court, you're talking about Colin Sexton, Mike Conley, and Jordan Clarkson. Like all those guys have different strengths. Conley, solid team defender, bad individual defender at this stage of his career. Whereas Colin Sexton, not so bad on a one-on-one, really bad help defender. Teams are going to figure out how to get the Jazz in even more more uh, advantageous situations. And the statistics are just going to climb and climb. And I think this that's where this team does fall into the mediocrity that I think I would be scared of if I was a Jazz fan, given the, the moves they made this offseason. Yeah, I mean, outside of, um, you know, Ver- Vanderbilt in – the starting lineup, like this team, you look around, it's like, okay, well, Laurie Markkinen did an admirable job last year as a wing defender at the three, knowing he had the rim protection behind him that he did, allowing him to play a whole, you know, way, way more aggressive. Uh, but outside of like those guys, you look around, it's like, well, Kelly Olenek, not, not, not a defensive stalwart. Uh, you know, Jordan Clarkson, he's there to get buckets. Unfortunately, that's what the other team does on him too. And, and so you look around and it's like, okay, well, Walker Kessler there and, he, you know, he, he can play a good, play a good drop defense. Problem is he's a rookie. And so there's just some things that aren't, you know, outside of uh, like Evan Mobley last year, like it, it's tough from the big position to be a solid, uh, you know, defender. You have a lot of responsibility there. And I look around and I, it just doesn't. The stat that matters for this team is that their defense doesn't smash, does not pass the smell test. Um, it, like you said, there's going to be some holes, I think, coming through uh, as the season progresses. Yep. It, it just that, that just makes all sense in the world. And like I want to give Walker Kester all the credit in the world, all the credit in the world. He was, you know, I don't know. I think I know Sam Vecini kind of questioned it, but I think he, he was SEC defensive player of the year um, his last year in college. And I think his only year in college, if I'm not mistaken. Um Maybe I'd have to look that up. Either way, like he's he's transitioning admirably to the NBA. Um, we just got to always remember that Evan Mobley is something different. Yes. Um, so we've got the, uh, you know, this team. And I actually want to skip ahead to uh, the team that they made a big trade with, the uh, Timberwolves of Minnesota. Because... It was them going and saying, all right, here, you have um, uh, Jared Vanderbilt. You know, you go ahead and take on Walker Kessler. You go ahead and take on all these guys and all these picks, and we'll go ahead and take Rudy Gobert. And here's, here's the issue. This team is, you know, we thought, hey, at the very least, they'll be a good off, you know, regular season team. They'll be able to, you know, make it work offensively. You know, Jared Vanderbilt couldn't shoot. Rudy Gobert can't shoot, so it's fine. Let's go ahead and, and we'll just swap out the type of defense that Vanderbilt provides 
for the type of defense that Rudy Gobert provides, right? Trying to be a deterrent at the rim. The problem is, is it's not a one-for-one swap, right? You're also shipping off Malik Beasley, who is a noted three-point taker and, and makes them at a reasonable clip. You're also, um, you know, shipping away some of the uh, defensive, you know, intensity. And I mean, who knows? Maybe even leadership at the at the guard position, Patrick Beverly, getting him off of this team. Where, uh, like, you know, I don't like Patrick Beverly either, but at least it gives you someone who you could say, hey, you know what, D'Angelo Russell? It's not happening today. Let's, let's sit you down here, and we're going to play old man Pat Beth. Uh, I, I look at this team, and I just I begin to wonder, you know, they have the worst, um, uh, well, I would say worst or second worst vibes in the league, right? Anthony Edwards is standing around on uh, out of timeout uh, calls, hands on his hips because the play is not designed for me. And he, in reality, though, the thing that matters is the Rudy Gobert trade was was a saying, hey, let's go ahead and get, we believe in Anthony Edwards, he's going to take the leap, but he can't find his way to getting uh, to the rim and dunking. His dunks are down this year, and that's one of the things that, for Anthony Edwards, should never be down. He like There's been comments that he's said of, I'm going into the paint, and there's too many people. Well, why is that? Well, we got two centers out there playing, and it's... You know, you're lacking spacing in some of the other areas. So I, I wonder, um, I wonder about this team. I thought they'd be better. Um, yeah, I, I thought they'd be better too. I, I had no faith in them for postseason success because I'm not a Rudy Gobert believer in that regard. I do, I do wonder, Richard. I think that what, what has changed most about this team's defensive culture and identity. Now, last year, I'm, I pull up the stats and keep in mind, like these things were a full sample, a full season of sample size. Um, they ranked 13th in defensive rating last year. That's that's bet for that's obviously top half of the league. And I think the thing that you were kind of referencing with the Patrick Beverly, with specifically um, our boy Jared Vanderbilt, is the the defensive intensity that those two provide. While Patrick Beverly is a little bit is not nearly as good defender as Jared Vanderbilt, he is a guy who hustles. He's a guy who puts pressure on the ball. He's annoying. And then you had Jared Vanderbilt as, like, your best defender on the team. And if Carlton Towns had a defensive strength, he's better on ball, sticking with one person, than he is playing help defense. Jaden McDaniels, solid at that kind of thing. The culture was swarm and attack and force turnovers. That's completely changed now with a, just a rim protector like Rudy Gobert. Yeah, the defensive scheme has has shifted, and it shifts. And I think uh, Carlton Towns was even talking about this. There was it was uh, you know post game where he was talking about hey because there, there's some there's some staggering you know going on, and the responsibilities you have as that kind of weak side guy, um, uh, you know, if you're playing off the ball, where the other teams are putting Rudy Gobert in the action and having him be the defender, and you know he's getting to his drop and he's he's great at it, but it's a different set of principles for you as as the four then when you get switched mid-game into the five now you have to cover things differently right your one four defensive coverage is different than your one five defensive coverage and i i think that perhaps that's a thing that can get worked out over time but it hasn't right now and the thing that you're lacking with this two big lineup that some of the other two big lineups get is i and I should I should look at this, but like your offensive board 
um, coverage. Like, if, you, if you're going to bigs, that's one of the things that you should be able to take advantage of. Um, unfortunately, you know, it, that allows you, hopefully, if you're setting, like, two to the boards like like that, you're able to get the other guys back in, in, tra- in defensive transition. I don't know that they've been able to um, make that happen. I, I remember watching some of the Spurs games just getting run all over. So so just for what I'm reading here on Basketball Reference, last year they ranked – let me flop back to that page. Last year they ranked uh, sixth in offensive rebounds. Looks like they were getting um, – is that – yeah, 11, 11.2 per game. This year they are getting – sorry, i got to switch back to that page. Of course, there's an ad. This year, they are getting 10.4 offensive re- rebounds again, which is ranked 18th. So that's like you know a pretty big hop down for like not a lot of percentage points, but it's down seven and a half percent year to year uh, here on Basketball Reference. So the numbers haven't changed a lot, but maybe offensive rebounds are up as a rule because of, of a personality swap for the league. Well, I think so too. But but it's also weird on the other end where, like at the very least, you shouldn't be giving up. Uh, offensive boards they're giving up they're tied for third in giving up offensive rebounds in the league like it's the pistons giving up the most and that's because we're playing uh beef stew as our center and then a bunch of small forwards we're getting crushed on the glass and uh you know the timberwolves are just a sh- you know a shade behind us so it's that's a weird thing i don't i don't i don't quite get that yeah, it, it's just, I think this whole team just has a big lack of communication. I think Rudy Gobert had such a perfect environment in Utah where he had been there his entire career. They had cultivated a system around him. They had tried, you know, a big guy like Derek Favors. That worked okay, but not perfectly. They had tried some really good wing defenders when, you know, Royce O'Neal's had his peak. Donovan Mitchell had a little bit higher expectations. Joe Ingles, great, like, great one-on-one defender kind of guy. Um, that didn't work out. Okay, well, now we're going to spread it out. But Rudy's Gobert's role never changed. He was always doing his thing, and everyone was built around him. Coming to Minnesota, this is just a big transition for him, along with all the rest of the players. No one else in no one else in Minnesota has the inherent buy-in that this is going to work, the way that Utah kind of had all the receipts for. So I th- I just think there's just a lot of miscommunication happening. Rudy Gobert is getting older. I don't think I'm not seeing him getting older being the problem currently, but I think that little thought in the back of anyone's head will, could cause panic a little sooner uh, than we would have ever anticipated. Yeah. I mean, it's if Anthony Edwards is not hitting, you know, isn't superstar Anthony Edwards this year, like, again, our timelines are, are passing um, like ships in the night there. And you, you might you might be might be rough there in, in a couple of years. If this team wanted to get a better rim protector and stay on a real, I would say, a realistic timeline for this team, Jakob Pertl is who they should have signed. They should have tried it out with someone who's like just below Rudy Gobert in effectiveness isn't an e- going to be an ego problem, and you could get for a lot cheaper. That would have been the perfect way to case study this and try it out. Like I think or, like, we we all agree that it was a bad move to trade all that for Rudy Gobert w- without having Carl Anthony Towns proven to be able to do it in the playoffs, and Anthony Edwards in his se- now third season. No one should have been looking at this team the way the front office did. 
yeah, I mean, I think the question was, was like, you, know, you could do something like that or, or Miles Turner or something like that. that it wouldn't have cost everything because now there's, you're at the end game and there's not much road to, well, not much further and, to go there. And the, and the end game that cost costed you like a Malik Beasley that could shoot threes and, and, pl- and play, I, I'd say, okay, on ball defense, like er, that's the whole thing is like not, not good off the ball. Like yeah, you you trade away so much for picks and honest, honestly player talent, you're in a bad spot. Uh, Chris Finch, uh, good luck uh, because you're gonna need to get it together in order to um, turn this around. Uh, let's get to another team that really desperately needs to turn this around, and uh, that is a team that we have um, historically on this podcast uh, given a lot of grief to, uh, especially their decision maker. That's the Los Angeles Lakers, Rob Palinka. Um, it's not great right now when you go to Tankathon and you, you look and you see, oh, wait a minute, the Los Angeles Lakers are right up there at the top. I think Houston just lost an extra game, snuck in there. Uh, so if you go to the, um, you know, mock draft, it's like, all right, well, at least it's Victor Wembanyama, uh, Wembanyama, uh, going to, uh, the Houston Rockets and Scoot, only, only Scoot Henderson going to the, uh. Um, uh, New Orleans Pelicans, but you're at a pick swap right now uh, with the Pels. If you're the Lakers, and right now Pelicans will be picking two. The Lakers are picking way down at 19, and LeBron James, you know, his uh, his finishing at the rim isn't quite what it used to be. Um, he's not getting to the rim nearly as much as he used to having some uh, injuries that are, you know, little, little things keeping him out for a little while. I think that the, hey, let's send Russell Westbrook to the bench and him coming off the bench and statistically playing well uh, in that role, uh, allowing you to kind of stagger, um, you know, Russ with LeBron. I think that's a helpful thing. But it doesn't matter if everyone else around can't shoot. And that's what we have here. The stat that matters for the Los Angeles Lakers is that, well, they are dead last in three-point percentage, 30%. Um, and it's, I don't see how it improves. Like, you got Matt Ryan, and that's it. Yeah. Help us out. Help us out, Ethan. I don't I don't know where to go here. Well, when you look at, like, expectations for three-point shooters, like, LeBron's well below his expectation. That, I would anticipate, gets closer to his career average. But right now, Russell Westbrook shooting 36% from three. That's better than anyone could have expected. And then, obviously, you know, Patrick Beverly's lower. Troy Brown Jr.'s lower. Like, Austin Reeves is lower. Like, everyone's shooting below their expectation other than Matt Ryan and Russell Westbrook. But that being said, like these guys shooting, like, you know, Patrick Beverly shooting um, 36%, like all these things are fixable if these guys shot career averages right now, except for like, I would still say closing games out because LeBron just doesn't seem to have it quite like that anymore, where he can just be trusted to get a bucket every single time down. And in fact... Like, this is one of the first times in the year, and I, I wonder if it's because he knows the team's quality is low. This is one of the first times I've seen LeBron not take the smart basketball shot, not, like, probe and actually get good shots for himself. He's settling for 
mid-range jump shots. He's settling for step-back threes, and he's not shooting very well. And just like you said, when he gets hurt, he's sitting a little bit more out than he used to. He's finally showing age, but this is what most people look like when they're 32, not 37. And it's not that a mid-range LeBron James shot isn't you know can't be good, but if you have no spacing to make that shot because teams are just packing in the paint, it just makes it all that more difficult, right? So it's it's a thing that you look at and say, all right, well, you know, you brought in Lonnie Walker, who is not a noted three-point shooter, taking five a game right now at 31%. Teams know they don't have to cover out there. As, as they know that, they're able to load up and load up and load up, and you're constantly... Um, you're, you're, you're constantly playing with one hand tied behind, tied behind your back. I don't know. I, I saw rumors that right, they might be bringing in Tony Snell or something like that for a, you know, for a tryout. And it's, okay, cool. But guess what? Tony Snell walking through the door is not going to solve this problem. He's and out of the league for a reason. Const- yeah. This roster construction, um, you know, you made the trade to go on for us, Westbrook. That hurts your depth, right? You have to fill it out with minimums the rest of the way. And they went and they tried last year. And the vast majority of those guys are out of the league. Like, you would think that they'd be able to find some people in year two. Usually that's what happens when you make a consolidation trade like that. You're like, okay, you start to build around the edges. And it's just not happening. Um, I, again, you, you talk about teams not really having um, a roadmap of where to go here because they don't have the resources well this team does have a few limited resources they said they weren't going to make a trade um until like thanksgiving well thanksgiving is like you know two weeks away week and a half away and i'm afraid it's too late like you're two and ten i don't know what you do And, and it's not even like you can make the all right let's go ahead and blow it up a tank because you are just handing the Pelicans the, the, you know, top pick in a loaded draft class. That's tough. Yeah, and and like you said with the the minimums and all that stuff, it's like even with the guys they brought in, like no one would – like Juan Toscano Anderson's a fine player, but he is not the kind of player that the Lakers were ever going to need. Like you don't need – you don't need a, a rangy defender that can't shoot. You need to surround LeBron, surround Anthony Davis with guys who have lasers. I mean, let's be clear. I don't mind Juan Toscano Anderson. No, as he's a, a good basketball that player that, that you bring in. If the other guys that you're bringing in fit that fit that mold, right? Sometimes it's good to have someone just to go in and and be long rangy and and you know get in the way and mess some things up. But the other guys had better be able to shoot, and they. Only brought in Matt Ryan, who can shoot. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Patrick Beverly should shoot better than he is, but he's also getting older. Like, people run into walls when they're getting older in the NBA. Like, well, again, Juan Toscano, I would love for Juan Toscano Anderson to play for the Heat. Because he, he, like, he fits all those, like, check the boxes. Like, like, not the first or second or third guy, but the fourth guy who comes in is like, all right, time to cost some havoc and hope he makes the one shot he takes. Like, that's not what the Lakers, they don't have the luxury of playing energy players. They need shooters. Well, speaking of the Miami Heat uh, and Juan Toscano Anderson, the Miami Heat are our next team. 
and yeah. they're missing a four. They're missing a four. Hey, wouldn't it be great if Fontescano Anderson could come in to be the four at fourth Miami Heat because they don't have one. Jimmy yeah. Butler is unfortunately playing the four, and he doesn't know it. They're not telling him that, um, and so it's 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 tough out here for. Um, uh, Miami and uh, Ethan, we're just gonna give you the floor. We're not gonna say you know talk about it because it's it's not completely off the rails, but like we're in some uncomfortable territory here. Oh, undoubtedly, the Heat the Heat are in a, a tough spot here because they definitely wanted to keep PJ Tucker. They wanted to keep the assets they have available to trade as long as possible for the Bradley Beal types, for the Zach Levine types, and any other disgruntled superstar the Heat are always sniffing around. Here's the deal, though. Let me read through their little numbers here. Offensive rating, they're 17th in the league, which I believe is down from 10th last year at 111.7. Uh, 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 right now, their defensive rating is at 12th in the league at 111, and last year they were ranked 5th in the league. So, this team has built, based on their the, the two main stars, Jimmy and Bam, a, a defensive team. And then they have surrounded those guys with big-time shooters, like a Max Struess, like a Duncan Robinson. Guys who have lasers, guys who are running around, taking the diff, taking difficult shots, taking, like, just, they are here to bury a team from a barrage of threes. Um, unfortunately, the Heat right now are not shooting the three ball very well as a team. Like they, if I believe I wrote down, they are shooting. They're 20th in the league in percentage. They and they are, um, yeah, they're not even really attempting better than half the league. So it's just one of those things that this team, their their bread their bread's been buttered with those shooters. Um, Gabe Vincent, like guys like that, just all coming in collectively shooting the lights out. And I do wonder, like, some of the Heat success from the last couple seasons have been a result of the Heat do have a better culture. They do have a better program than most people. And when you're subbing in all these random people and pulling guys off the street, the Heat have better of those players than most teams. And I think that might be why the regular seasons have went so smoothly with how uh, confusing the league has been the last couple years. All that being said. The Heat are some guys returning to normalcy in terms of their three-point percentage from being a, a well above, like being above 500 team, and they are acquiring a four away from being a team I think that would be scary once again um, come postseason time. And whether that is like looking like a Jay Crowder, maybe there's another, you know, another player of similar stature that's come to a frustration point, or the team starts to tank. Like I, I, I'm really keeping my eye on this Washington Wizards development because I, begin of the season was looking at Kyle Kuzma as someone everyone should be interested in, to be a starting four, and you know I've come a long way with Kyle Kuzma as he's developed as a defensive player and a guy who takes smarter shots every day I see him. Um, someone needs to get that guy off the Wizards. I need the Wizards to stop being a 500 team. So they wake up and realize that, <laughs> that Kyle Kuzma needs to play for a, a real team. Um, the last thing I'll say before I, I give you a little second is the Heat are missing, I think, two important depth pieces. Victor Oladipo, as a, as a guy who actually gets on the court and wants to score when he plays, the Heat have um, one of those players and Tyler Hero right now. They need a second to have someone that actually wants to put the ball in the hoop um, when they have the ball. And then Omar Yurtsevin. Um, I think he's a lot better player than Dwayne Dedman at this stage. 
Although Dwayne Dedman's doing some fun stuff, like shooting 38% from three. <laughs> and he's taking... Well, he does. And he is, he's doing okay. He's, 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 he's entertaining, if not good. Um, I, I would like to see Omar Yurtsevin back in that backup center role um, very soon. So I think you get a couple more death pieces to where if, if Bam's in foul trouble, you still have Dwayne and Yurt to run out there, not just the one. I think the Heat are close to having a little a little push here to get back in the higher respected teams in the East. But until they address that 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 four position, they are not going anywhere playoff time unless Jimmy Butler and Bam go God mode. It's it's tough. I that's that's just we saw it beforehand. We all looked at it. We all saw it. We're like, who's playing the four for Miami? And if if Tyler Hero is going to be getting these starter minutes, right? If he's going to have to, uh, he wants he wants to be a starter. And if he's gonna get those the, those times, you're going to need, regardless of whether he's starting or not, he's gonna be playing a large portion of the minutes. You need someone, uh, you, you need some extra defense out there, and being undersized is unfortunate. Um, it it just makes a difference. Makes a huge difference, and it's just one of those things that like it would feel it wouldn't feel as bad if guys like like right now. Gabe Vincent shooting 31% from three. Last year he shot 38, and the year before he shot 37. Um, Takeo Martin shooting 32% from three. He's, I think, closer to like a 35, 36% shooter from three. Like all these guys are just slightly below their average. Tyler Hero, granted, his volume, and I don't, I don't know about volume actually, but his difficulty attempt rate um, is skyrocketed. He's shooting 37. Shrews at 38. And then Duncan is, is shooting 30% from three. Like these are guys who are certified great shooters. They've been doing it for years and going back to college as well. And they're just struggling a little bit. And again, all these defensive problems, all these offensive problems, if the three balls just going in, which there's going to be a week where the heat just don't miss and it's going to normalize a lot of the stuff. But right now the heaters are requiring far too much from Jimmy, far too much from Bam on a night to night basis that's not sustainable for a regular season success. And especially with Kyle Lowry, like Kyle Lowry happened to do all this too. He's really not like, I still like him a little bit in the postseason for like a, a calming hand, but he is not the dude that was Kyle Lowry plus bench units are the best lineups in the league. No, that's long gone and over. Kyle Lowry is a solid starting guard. He's nothing more at this stage. And he's also really annoying. The, um, uh, next couple teams that we're gonna get into we'll probably spent nearly as much time because I like well for at least for this next team Philly like we know like this situation they've been they've been starting a little bit banged up Joel Embiid has you know missed some games been in and out of the lineup and now hardens down and out for uh, I think about a month or so and you know this this team. Um, I I look at them, and I from the beginning, back when there were rumors, all right, back when you know Harden was on Houston and, and Houston was exploring those trades, like you know, I don't know how I feel about Embiid and Harden defensively because I don't think it's really a coherent scheme, and like especially early on, with what James Harden needs, uh, he needs to be in a switching defense. We've talked about this uh, for a while, and that's not really where you want um, Embiid. 
And, and so I just look and I think, you know, I don't know if come, you know, against the best teams, they're going to be able to with, withstand that. And it's one of those things where now, is if Embiid stays healthy, right, which is a, is a difficult ask, if he stays healthy, I think that you're going to see this team put together some defensive success. You're going to see them look capable. I think they're going to look a little more coherent on the defensive end. Offense, you know, may may struggle a little bit. Um, but, I mean, you still have Tyrese Maxey out there. You still have Embiid if he's out there. And I, I just, I wonder um, with how Philadelphia put this team together is basically just saying, hey, it's the old Rockets, but plus Embiid and, you know, plus uh, Maxi and, and Tobias Harris. But let's get the band back together. You know, we like some of those moves. It gave them some extra depth that they really didn't quite have. But I, I just... I worry for this team defensively. And right now their defensive rating is, you know, ninth in the league. Not bad if you think about Embiid missing some time. Except, Ethan, this is a team that appears to be having a lot of, well, opponent three-point percentage luck. They're holding opponents uh, to a league low 31.6% from three, which if you look at this stat historically, there's not really a whole lot you can do to uh, improve upon, you know, opponent three-point percentages, right? You can uh, do things to prevent teams from taking threes, like just their three-point attempts being lower, but you look around and it's, it's usually unsustainable. You know, this team outside of the Pistons allowing, you know, allowing as if it's a thing that they're controlling. Um, corner three-point percentages, 29%, right? Basically neck and neck with the Pistons, which would seem to say, hey, you know, teams are having bad luck shooting uh, from the perimeter against this team. What happens when those shots start falling again? And, you know, every single year, we have this. The Knicks a couple of years ago, back when you know their defense was super high, you know Tibbs has come in. They they they've got it together, and yeah, they were a better defense, but they weren't that good, right? I I just worry about um, this team defensively down the road, and when Harden gets back, um, how do they me- make that mesh? Yeah, and it, it, it's concern of mine as well. Like 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 we've said. I think before and probably as well today is like, like the players on this team just there's diff they're good at different things. Like Tyrese Maxey going back to college is a pretty okay defender, and I'd like to think that that's still in there somewhere. And but I would think Tyrese Maxey's is pairs really well with Joel Embiid in terms of a fighting over screens. Um, Joel still drops like those two guys make sense together. Whereas like you could talk go down the list with several others like like Thibel Melton. Harden because of how bad he is. I would say Daniel House, like the, a lot of the PJ Tucker, those guys are switch style defenders. Like those guys would thrive better where they just switch everything, you know, and and can and can maneuver. Where so like you're just always going to have this dichotomy of these players are Joel Embiid defense players, these guys are James Harden defense players, and how you meld them together for a winning formula does give me a little anxiety. Yep. I we'll, we'll we'll just have to see. I believe in this team. I thought that they'd be there. I didn't know that Embiid was as banged up as he was to start. Um, 
Yeah, I might not have put for them to have the best record in the East if I'd known that. <laughs> yes, the Indiana Pacers uh, are the last one, and this is more of like a. Uh, it, I, I wouldn't quite say it's like a we're you know in panic mode here, but we're starting to win a little. You know, a few too many games. We know the uh, propensities for the Indiana Pacers ownership of you know trying to be you know, respectable and not trying to tank it. Oh, no, no, no. This is the year, Indiana. Um, and it's great that you found Ben Math, who's uh, just a, a flamethrower, and it, it, it's a great fit. We love the fit of him next to, um, uh, you know, next to Halliburton. Did think that they would have moved on from Heald and, um, and Miles Turner by now. I, I did think so. Uh, they haven't. And, like, I just, I worry, like, the reason why those guys, like, even if um, they're not the best of players, like, again, you're, you're having competence. The reason why the Pistons are struggling is because their their bench unit comes in, and it's a tank, tanktastic team. It's kind of, like, what you'd prefer with this Pacers team situation. Like, you'd like for it to look good in the starting lineup, and then, oh, the bench comes in, and, ah, it's this... It's a little bit of a struggle, and yeah, you know, if you're, I just, I worry for where they, where they need to go, and the propensities that ownership has. That's just, that's my issue with this Pacers team. Propensity that ownership has, propensity that Carl has, like those, like those two historically are looking for every win that they can find, you know, and it's not like, like you said, Miles Turner and Buddy Heald aren't like these necessarily championship level players but there's just like there's like like you said there's such a level of competency brought out when you can play a shooting guard slash small four that shoots 40 percent from three and you have a center that can shoot 35 percent he's shooting 37 right now but 35 percent from three on right as a regular thing and is a great rim protector like if you just like rolled like took miles turner off this team and like it was required for isaiah jackson and jalen smith and Goga Batatze and Terry Taylor all of a sudden to be those bigs and to and like to hold up games and O'Shea Brissett as well. If all of a sudden those guys were responsible for all their rim protection, the the they would be a lot worse. And I know I know um he's only played I think nine games this season, um, Mr. Turner. But it's still when you have that guy out there, it's a deterrent. And when you have guys to, to throwing away opportunities for layups because that guy could erase them. Defense is going to be better. And their defense is still pretty bad. But that's the difference between 24th and, you know, 30th. I, I'm not cons- – I don't think I'm super concerned because, again, this team – other teams are going to get better. Like the Heat are going to get better and, and pass this team. and Yeah. But it's how long do you string it along? And for their, for their sake, I hope they just make a decision soon. All right, Ethan. Good chat with you. And um, uh, hopefully these teams can find the uh, right buttons to press, uh, if there are any for them to press. Uh, But uh, good chat with you, and we'll be back.